we couldn't unsee each other. It felt it felt like what you might describe as pure love. There was there was n we could have sat there for a couple of hours and no one said a thing and it would be wonderful. Like where does that happen? How does that happen? Well, it happens because they had come to a point when no one was trying to do anything mm. and things just happened. They saw each other in this way that we sometimes just can simply dream of but don't have the experience of, but it's very, very simple. Hi, I am your host, Raquel Ark, and welcome to your Listening Superpower podcast. This show opens your mind on ways to transform challenging conversations into opportunities for clarity, connection, and ease at work and at home. Discover how to grow your listening superpower to help you become a more effective communicator. Be inspired by conversations with authors, scientists, and leaders that will help you grow your leadership toolbox with strategies that you can use right away. Let's work smarter and feel better with our listening superpower. Imagine sitting in a chair, looking into a camera, and being seen in a new way that feels like complete belonging. And even though it's new, it's like it has always been there. It's always been you. Our guest filmmaker, Nick Askew, shares a simple yet profound way to experience listening, and his method may surprise you. He is the creator of Soul Biographies, which includes the search for the soul of America. His unique interview method is a profound way to witness the human soul. And this is an experience where you feel interconnected, you feel belonging, and you feel this conscious insight. Luke shares his stories about how he uses film and works with individuals and groups in a way in which, in his words, are so that we might see ourselves reflected in each other, so that we might see beyond all differences, so that we might come to remember that we belong to each other without condition and act accordingly. Listen to this, I would say, unique episode where we dive into nothingness so that something can emerge. Enjoy listening in. Nick, welcome to the Listening Superpower podcast. I am really happy to have you on this episode with me today. To get started, I'd love to know when you first started to notice the power of listening, whether it worked or it didn't work. Well, thank you. Thank you. Very, very happy to be here. I've got this oft-told story of when I first picked the camera up, and that was a pretty good example of of listening and realizing that there was something different going on. I'll tell you that because it was it's kind of interesting with respect to listening. But as I think about it, I probably always listened like that. I could always hear some interior voice, always. But I didn't always do something about it. Sometimes I did, sometimes I didn't. But I was in London a long time ago, well, 20 years ago. It was around about 20 years ago. I'd never thought about picking a camera up and I suppose I should introduce myself as and I suppose people believe me to be a filmmaker because I make films but I never considered that before I started out as an explorer so I canoe the Congo and the Amazon and across deserts and high mountains and things like that but then I fell into business so and I ended up running a company a big company in London 
and, and then I just kind of stopped. And one day I was sitting in a hotel and I wasn't doing anything at that time. I was, I realized the sheer importance of space, understanding that if I continued to do the same thing, nothing would find me, nothing original would find me. So I just stopped. Maybe I, I think I consulted a bit. Anyhow, I was sitting in a hotel in London in the corner of the bar of the Chancery Court Hotel. It looked a little bit like Versailles Palace on High Holborn in London. And it was about 11 a.m. And there was no one there because the bar didn't really open up until 12. It was more of a tea place, actually. There was a guy stacking drinks in the corner. And I was sitting there on my own, just doing nothing, really. I was good at that. I've always been good at that. In other words, the absence of having to use space for something. And then there was nothing. And then there was nothing. It was just more nothing. Daydreaming, if you like, almost. Uh, I wasn't looking to do anything with that particular time. I remember that vividly. And then there was something. And that something was a very stark and obvious prompt to go pick a camera up, which was bizarre at the best, actually. I hadn't touched a video camera before. I, it never occurred to me. I wasn't with anyone. I wasn't a filmmaker or anything. I wasn't talking about anything. I wasn't actually sitting there considering what I should be doing. I wasn't reading anything. I hadn't just watched a film. And what was important about that was I realized that it wasn't caused by anything physical and obvious. So often things are caused. You're inspired by hearing someone speak or you're, you see something and you're suddenly prompted to think, oh, I could do that, or it takes you down a train of thought. This wasn't that. This was something else. There was nothing, and there was nothing, there was nothing, and then there was something. And that something almost was a sense of knowing something, and I don't know how I knew it, but I knew that I had to do it, and it wasn't wanting it, and it wasn't believing it. It was knowing, and there's a very different sense to that. And so that day I picked a camera. I actually walked around to a friend's house, knocked on the door. I think I texted them first, knocked on the door, and then borrowed a video camera, no instruction manual, whatever, and I haven't put it down since. That, to me, was an extraordinary example of, of, of listening to, I, I could say myself, but it's not really myself. It was to the world at large, to the sky, to the ether, to something that was was there wanting to be heard. And why that became terribly important to notice the pattern of that. In other words, it wasn't caused by anything. It came out of nothing, out of no thing, was that that happened to be how I ended up filming people. And by filming, I should probably make clear that what what I do is I I film people very close up. So I've over you know two decades I've I've spent a lot of time sitting utterly still with countless people, countless in thousands of people, and I've just let what has been listened to, what has been paid attention to, emerge out of nothing. In other words, it's not an interview. It's never been an interview. I've never gone into a situation with someone wanting to pull out a story. I've never gone into a situation where I've even had a question 
So everything starts out of silence. Well, silence is stillness, if you like. And so there's this still point. This is the pattern. This is the pattern of listening. This is the pattern of how in that hotel in London, the whole notion that I had to do this came. And the pattern is start from a still point, start with nothing, no thing uh, defined as no act on my part. So I'm not actually looking, I'm not actually doing anything. And then let it, let the experience of this other person find me. And I've come to understand the nature of the space between people, largely through sitting for thousands, tens of thousands of hours, I guess, with people and noticing what happens when I do something, when I interrupt, when I ask a question, when I'm seeking a story, when I'm subtly directing, even the metaphysical stuff, the stuff that's not so obvious, even when I believe that I have a job holding space, which doesn't need to be held, is, is my observation. Even when I think uh, I ought to just be present, that's not the nature of presence. There is no being present. It's just an absence. It's a subtraction of all the things that I thought I should be doing to encourage someone to be open. It's none of that. So that's, you know, that's what that's where that moment of listening has led me. You know, when you you took me to that space, I was with you as you described that. What I think is really interesting is it, it sounds like that moment, obviously it changed your life because it changed, you know, what you what what you're doing. So there was no nothing and now there's something. And this something has been has you know, now been the course of your life, what you said, about 20 years or so. Um, but what I think is interesting, it's not only just about picking up the camera, but it's also a process that you discovered in that moment that informs, is uh, nothing there, but it's like it informs you somehow <laughs> about, but it also, um, I'm trying to bridge that also to the work that you do with people, where you just, where you get to this place of nothing and then something is there. So it's it's almost like the, um, I'm not sure, like a, a, is that kind of like, the, it's just blank, a blank space, but yet all your senses are attuned to that blank space. And then something emerges from there. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. It, it's like, I've, I, often, I often think about it. I, I believe some of it is actually a little bit beyond the description of words and, mm -hmm. and this, whenever I went out to teach it, which I, I used to do a lot, especially with the camera, you know, I teach people to use the camera in this fashion. Uh, I always realized that almost if you could say it, it wasn't that. So it was an experience. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and that was, you know, in, in one way, it's highly frustrating because you could tell a lot of people about it. And they were, and their minds would go, yeah, I would get that. That that makes sense. I understand that. But there wasn't the experience of it, so it didn't count. Yeah. And so it's much better to to get into a room and there you are, and then this this experience, this quite extraordinary experience, is had by all concerned. And and what I what I do because I use a camera, and it's not really about the camera, but the camera allows people to see what I see. So I lead the 
or I project the image out of the camera onto large screens. So, you know, if it's in a room of just 10 or 15 people, it's not that big, you know, maybe 70 inch screen. In a in a theater with a thousand people, it's it's massive cinema screens. So, but there's nowhere to hide for someone. You can see someone so close up that it's it's eerie. I mean, it's intoxicating. But somehow there's the live experience of this and it's felt. And people can't describe it, but something happens. Something happens to people. And and I yeah, and I've been looking for the patterns in that, and I, I've understood a little bit about it. I just want to, just so that I'm um, clear and I'm just thinking about our listeners. So are you saying that, um, because I haven't had the pleasure to experience this yet myself, are you saying that you are interviewing a person live also in front of a whole group of people is, or is, yeah. have you taken, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you're, yeah. Yeah. And I was just, oh, this is, so you have this person and you're really close up and I mean, I've seen some of the films that you do and they're very, um, you know, they're very, how should I say, raw? I don't know if raw, but in a a really great way. I'm just, it's fascinating to me trying to imagine having a camera on somebody where their face is projected very on a widescreen and yet getting to the space of nothing so that something can happen. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just trying to imagine what that is, what's, how's that even possible? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's entirely possible, and it's terribly, terribly simple. Let, I'll, I'll try and paint a picture. I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll try to describe because this might be useful. Because I think there's a fundamentally contrarian observation of how life works in this. I'm pretty clear that there's another way, a fundamentally different way to experience each other. I'm sure about that because that's my experience. And there's a fundamentally different origin point from where we cause to act from. What I mean by that is there's almost a, a hinge point on, on which everything turns. So I, I know that life seems like we're the ones at the center and we're the ones that possess a life and we're the ones to do it. And, and we experience the consequence of our actions. You know, we, we do it and, and we push it along. And it's seemingly, it's like, we're the ones in control. I'm not sure about that. I think there's a point at which that turns and the cause of all movement turns, the cause of where you're inspired to speak from turns. And I I discovered this in film, in filming people. Um, I realized that there were only two places people speak from, one from themselves, one through the experience of their life and all the things they've led themselves to believe. There's two places, just two places that people speak from. The, the most usual, and it's, and it's pretty much what the world is full of, and it's why we don't feel connected, is I'm going to speak at you or to you. You know, like if I put a camera up, I noticed early on, in making films and sitting with so many people that and and having the 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 privilege of sitting in the edit so i i re experienced that experience time and time and time and time again and what i noticed very vividly was that words only come from one of two places often someone would sit there and they would talk and i wouldn't really feel and i noticed that they were talking to me which is a very usual experience but there's a real need attached to those words. 
though kind of, you know, here's a story, I hope it will serve the world, or here's a story, I hope uh, people will think good of me and come towards me. And then there was a point at which all that fell away. And instead of talking to me or at me, the person, it was almost as if the person was being spoken through. In other words, words just came. It was like a stream of consciousness and they had no real notion of what they were saying or where it was going, where the sentence would end, let alone what was on the far side of the, the full stop or the period, as mm -hmm. they say in, in, in America. Those words were incredible in a way. They held a real energy to them, a real charge. And I felt utterly connected to someone in those moments. So where words came from were really important. And my part in is it encouraging or not getting in the way of that experience was really important. What I noticed was if I were to do something, if I was to interview someone, you know, interview, I have a, some questions and be looking for stories and be guiding this conversation to a particular place, then I would shut that person down. In other words, what I would see is their personality, the story they were so used to holding up, the stories that have been told a thousand times, the stories that have been rehearsed. That was one thing. I mean, it could be interesting. All that would fall away and someone would just speak. What I realized was there was this bristling connectedness between the two of us, and it, and it, and it played out on film as well when you showed someone this and someone was paying attention they somehow felt different. They felt connected. My part in that was really important. My subtraction, the subtraction of all the things I was used to doing, encouraging people, working out where this was going, all those things was important. And I actually, I first, I first discovered this. Well, I first noticed it with no chance of not unnoticing it when I, I filmed someone in a very a pretty dire situation they'd lost a child through a violent act and i remember sitting the guy's name was simon and i remember sitting with him like it was now right now i could remember everything about this experience and we were sitting there and he I didn't quite know what had happened and I didn't quite know why I was there. I was drawn to be there. And he was looking at me and kind of without saying it, pleading with me to shut the conversation down, you know, please change the subject. And I didn't know what to do. And I felt all these very human emotions, like the, the incumbency on me to, to make it all right. I didn't want him to feel badly and whatever. And I remember asking myself, you know, without saying it out loud, what, what on earth should I do? Like, what, what do I do in this situation? I don't want this person to hurt. Now, that's a common human impulse. And the answer, not that it, it came in words or anything, but it came in a feeling, was nothing. And what I understood by that was, this is not your job. You have no job here. You're not the witness. And it was very stark for me. It was like, you're the, the guy called Nick. You're not the person doing anything here. The witness is what I came to call the field, called the conscious field. In other words, 
the air, the, the presence, the thing that we're a part of. It's not me. I don't have a job as a witness. The witnessing happens and the best thing that I can do is do nothing, no thing, no anything. And then there's just clear space. There's no interference. So this person, Simon, in this instance, then spoke about this experience in this stream of consciousness. There was no pressure from me, who the supposed interviewer, the supposed listener, there was no pressure from me to make this into something. There was just utterly clear space. And he could speak into the air with no sense of any pressure to push it one way or the other. In other words, he could let words simply be spoken through him. And the most incredible thing happened. I mean, it's in a film now, but he spoke about this in a way which I think was original and probably spoken for the first time. And it would have been, very, looking back on it, it would have been very easy for me to try and move it somewhere more comfortable. But that wasn't my job. It wasn't my business at all. The business of a, a, a witness, I, I call it a witness, we might call it a listener as well, is really not to get in the way. And so this fundamental different way to experience someone has this very, very simple, almost formula. It's like a, a no way. And it's start with nothing, no thing, no act on your part, no act on my part, and then let it, let the experience just happen. Let the experience of this person just emerge out of them freely. And, and what I understood by this was, if you want to, if you truly want to see someone, to witness them, to really see, if you like, their interior world, you've got to understand that it's the other way around. Seeing is not an act on your part. Seeing is not something that you do. Seeing is something almost that comes towards you. So the experience of this person, the experience of anyone you care to sit with or be with, is best finding you, not you. Now that's a really antithetical notion. <laughs> It, uh, because yeah, so it's a it, whole different mindset, a whole different, it's just a well, different, it's, it's beyond it's, mindset. It's, a, it's, it's beyond mindset. Yeah. It's a whole different experience. Let's go back to the word experience. <laughs> it's an experience, but because mm -hmm. when you, when you, I mean this, I mean, this really spooked me out in a way because <laughs> I just kept on noticing it year after year after year. And, yeah. and as I was teaching it, you know, this art of witnessing, I used to sit there and bizarrely for, for a few, I used to catch myself saying, there's nothing to do and there's no one to do it. And someone once pulled me up on that a couple of years into me saying this, and I understood what, what I meant, was the, the things are not what they seem. I know it seems like we're the ones always doing something. If we don't do something, nothing happens. It's just not true. This, this no way almost of, well, start with nothing and then let it, is antithetical. It's contrarian. It, it says that we're ready, I suppose it says, is we're not in control, as in control as we thought we were. 
what I think I boiled it down to so far, and I, I might be wrong, pretty much usually am, but there's this assumption that we live our lives. We're the ones in control. We're the ones who experience the consequence of our actions. And if you do good, if you if you if you if you really push it and you're diligent and whatever, you live a good life. And if not, you you don't. You live the opposite. But I think it might be the opposite to all of that. I think life itself is trying to live itself through us. I think it matches what I noticed early on with the camera. In other words, people speak to or at me, or it's as if they're spoken through. And there's a very different feel. And what the feel is to all of this, what the consequence of witnessing someone, of being with someone in this way, where you start with nothing, just this clear space, and then just let it, you just let the experience of someone come out of them. What the consequence of that is, is you realize that you're connected and that you always were, that you were, you always belonged, and there was never a point at which you didn't. And I know connectedness is something that is most probably a consequence of what you might call deep listening, of this kind of a bristling attention. And it's almost an objective. It's an objective of many things. We, If we were more connected, then we wouldn't damage each other. Then we wouldn't do things that weren't serving everyone. The important part is, I think there's this misassumption about the nature of connectedness. And that is that it requires something, a working towards. So you and I are not connected, but if we do a good job and, and do these things, then we may be connected. And that would be a really great point to work towards. What I've understood is that is not the nature of connectedness. Connectedness just exists. It just exists. It's there to be experienced. And the way to experience it, or the, as I've noticed, is nothing, no thing, nothing in the way. There's a space between us. It looks like it's clear and I can see you, therefore I'm connected, but I'm not. There's many things in, in the space between us that exist. Uh, the beliefs about each other and this situation that we've led ourselves to believe and the needs that we have. Well, let's make a great podcast. I wonder what I need to see to say for a great podcast. You might be thinking, oh, how do we make a great podcast? I wonder what I need to ask. And there's all sorts of requirements that we need. We can't see each other. We are connected, but there's something in the way. If you set that down, then you realize that you were connected all along. We were part of this all along. And that's the most incredible thing I know, that we belong and there was never any condition. That's what I have seen. And that's what I've always seen. That's what I know. That's pretty much the only thing worth saying to someone. When I'm, what I'm experiencing here in your, in your words and in your, in your description of, of what you've become aware of, even though I know that we can't fully put it into words, but, but there is this, if I can connect it to the listening piece, you know, I, I guess discovering, having this experience of this nothing, I think that in of itself, learning how to listen for that or to experience that and be able to notice that it's there in order, you know, of not doing anything 
Good luck. On one hand, when with I mean, over the years, I mean, the first time you the first story you described with your camera, that is just something that kind of happened. And and you said you've tried to teach this or try to explain it, even though it's you can't really fully put words into it. And yet it's a very simple process. On one hand, that's relative, probably, probably not as, as easy, <laughs> even if it's simple. But there is this thing of not having to do anything, this nothing. So it's almost like you have to give yourself permission on a certain level to just be, to not, to experience this nothingness. I'm kind of, I guess where I'm struggling a little bit is this, on one hand, there's a a conscious intention now to be okay with this experience of nothing and actually inviting it and knowing that now through these experiences, that that's where the something comes and the something is profound. And there's nothing to do to get to that. You know, it's more about not doing anything. So, so there is a certain through the experience and recognizing, and then almost giving yourself permission to be able to do that. Right. And at the same time, so you have this intention with your work, knowing and trusting that process, knowing that the experience will happen, trusting the experience will happen, allowing it to happen. In doing so, somehow you, this the space that you've created with with the f- camera is like also an invitation that others can experience this, even though they may not have the intention to be in that space. So it's an interesting dynamic happening. <laughs> I don't even know if I was clear, but this is yeah. The, I, the, the, yeah I understand <laughs> everything you said because it is. <laughs> you see, this is. This is why it's always best done in a room. So look, there's one, we've got this enculturated habit of doing things all the time, even when yeah. we think we're not. You know, you, you you mentioned, well, you've got the intention for this. No, I don't have the intention for that. That's something, that's doing something, that's holding something, not even that. Um, mm. I remember someone uh, was once, uh, I was doing a, I did this in a five-day format once, which is pretty intense. You, there is nowhere to hide in a small group smallest group and you know you're, you're wandering up to the camera and there is nowhere to hide there is nothing you can hold up that won't be seen as something holding up and and i remember this girl she's sitting there and goes oh i've got it you just gotta be i go on and my immediate response was no no you don't gotta be that's just something else to do in disguise you don't even need to do that <laughs> and that was this massive relief and then she said oh so you're just really good at holding space and That's I was doing something too. Well, yeah. I mean, I remember immediately saying, because I've got it on tape, um, I said, oh, absolutely not. Space doesn't need to be held, not by you and certainly not by me. We don't need to hold it. Space is what there is. Space, yeah. we're in you, space. You're just in it. You're with it. You're in you're it. You're a part of not, it. Not, uh, yes, you're a part of it. Exactly. It doesn't need to be held. That's just, mm-hmm. it, it's almost like a, it seems like um, a thing that you would say to condone your existence almost like, well, I'm doing something because what would be the consequence of saying I'm doing nothing? I wouldn't be able to charge for anything, you know, all that kind of stuff. This nothing thing is really, is is against the grain. It's, 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 it's against a lifelong inculturated habit of, of believing that we're the ones to do everything. And I just noticed, Mm -hmm. yes, we do things. It's almost like a coexistence, but but the origin point of where we're caused to act from is so could be so very different. If you start with no thing, you know, it doesn't emanate from you, then something occurs, something strikes you, something emerges, words, uh, an impulse to reach towards someone, to move in this direction. We're not the cause as such. 
we may be the actor, but we're not the cause. And and it is I I I do understand that it doesn't necessarily make sense, and because this is not of the mind. I was in I was in Mexico a few weeks back, and and there was a big crowd. It was about three hundred, and we were doing this thing, and and there was an extraordinary experience. It was actually a psychotherapist in front of the camera, and she had kind of admitted that she realized that this was the first time she'd actually ever been seen, which was an extraordinary thing to admit out loud in front of a crowd. And her husband happened to be sitting there and said something along the lines of, I I've never seen that woman. I knew she was there. I hadn't seen her like that. And he said, is it like hypnotherapy? And I, there was the first time someone had ever said that. I said, absolutely not. This is not of the mind at all. This is not an idea. This is not something that you can necessarily make sense of. It's more mysterious than that. But life is mysterious. What, what if we were able to live with this fundamentally different origin point? In other words, what if life, you would just let it come through you, let the experience of yourself just emerge out of you rather than try to control it and try to spoon it into stories and explanations and and this and that. What happens if two people sit together and, and realize there's this moment where they can just let the experience of them be there guy, without having to do anything about it, without having to control it and push it? Then you realize that you're like you're inextricably connected and you perhaps always were but you have this moment and and why that has become obviously important to me anyway is that most people are driven by this deep sense of wanting to belong wanting to be a part of it and it drives us to pretty much live out our lives doing certain things. I'm trying to reach this point at which I'm acceptable, that I'm okay, that I'm, that I'm a part of it. But the irony is that the in the, in the realm of the interior world, we just are. There is no working towards, just is. You, you just are a part of it. We are connected. You belong. There's, there was never any condition and if you were to experience that, it would diffuse the primary motive in your life, I would think. And if you were to realize that and notice it, if two people were to notice that of each other, in other words, each person listen in this, pay attention in this extraordinary simple way, in other words, no act on their part, and there you are, everything might change you you would you would feel forever connected to that person you just would and you, you wouldn't unsee them yeah. i have groups from reaching back you know many many years that i know and they've even said if they came back in a room together it would have been it would be as if they'd never left and it wasn't necessarily the stories that were told in that place it was it was the atmosphere in which they were in made them aware of something very very important that they were a part of this 
Yeah, when you think of this this group of twelve for th- with three days, you know, people come in in one way and they leave a different way, right? <laughs> so they it's like coming in and then there there's something happened. So even when you're talking about the person and just and all of a sudden there's this hinge point where that something changes. Well, that is probably also for the group too, you know, as a group. Can you look back at that particular group and when you notice the hinge point for the group? I mean, I don't notice it as a group in a particular moment in time. It's it's always very obvious when it happens with someone. You know, and I'm I, just I, thinking been... because like if the group has that that like something happened as a group, so the 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 one on one, but I could imagine that those one on ones at some point in time something was there's also a a hinge point in the group where you know that's would would be interesting or or maybe the hinge point is experiencing that individually is the connecting connecting point perhaps there's not really a one on one there i mean there's me and my camera and this oh. person but there's also everyone is in the room exactly what i see through the camera there's nowhere to hide someone ran uh, someone ran from this first really? time i mean i'm i'm i have to be pretty careful sometimes about who comes on these things, you know, and, and and so I always talk to people, I say, look, that you've got to understand a few things. You come as best you can for nothing. I know you're coming maybe to learn witnessing and, and there will be this skill and you will understand it, but I need you to have this experience of of what it's like to see someone and not be doing anything, no action. You're not trying to work them out. All that will fall away and we'll do this time and time again. So you very clear and also i want you to have this experience of what it's like to be defenseless and i i I don't know if i made the mistake um but i read these words and they're just i tend to actually be pretty oblique in my description of many things perhaps i haven't been here but i you know i write a lot of words that are kind of poetic in fashion And, and i wrote these words and i read them out and i think i think someone ran because of the well i know someone ran because of these words uh, uh, and I'll read them out then it's not very long but it, it was a situation that happened and I called it the entrance hall because that's what I what the, the place I'd walked into and this and this happened this is the, these are the words the entrance hall I'm in an entrance hall and I look towards the furthest doorway I see her she looks up and immediately casts her eyes downwards she assumes that I can see her I can but what she believes I can see she's ashamed of She doesn't wish for it to be seen by anyone. She spent a lifetime holding up a facade, a burdensome untruth forever against the weight of gravity. But what I see is not that. And if she could see what I see, I imagined that her life would be so very different. I wish that for her. I wish she'd look up. And I think that can be the experience. People are drawn into this experience of, almost extreme beauty as people sit in front of the camera and their images cast in high contrast black and white as is my style and they're just there raw unburdened i suppose vulnerable but vulnerable but not in its full way in its false way which is often the case but in a totally undefended way and part of that is the invitation to that i, I said there's this way which is start with nothing and and let it. But I think the invitation to the camera I found myself saying is, look, firstly, when there's an empty chair, when there's when it's time, 
you'll know. You might not want to be there. Your mind just might be shouting, there is no way I'm going to sit in that chair in front of that camera at this time. But your body knows, your body knows you're there. Something is is wanting to be spoken as such. And people end up in the chair. And then the invitation is usually, I usually ask people just to, to close their eyes because I love catching that shot. I think it's beautiful. And, and it's always kind of lit from, by a window from one side. I think people look, I, li I like the look of that. And then I'd usually say something along the lines of, well, you know, here we are. I think if we, we just, we'll just sit here. And even if you don't open your eyes, let alone say a single word, I think that will be enough. In fact, I know that will be enough. It's enough for me. I'm not looking for anything. I'm not looking for you to resolve anything, to say anything, to tell me a story, to tell us a story, to show us this or that. I, I'm quite happy if we just sit here. I think that this experience is, is enough. Just, just as is. And sometimes people will sit there and say nothing, nothing, no words. And it's extraordinary. There's just this feel. And it's unusual because it's unusual to not fill a space with something emanating from ourselves. It's unusual to just sit still with no requirement for this to be any different whatsoever. But it's not unusual in my world. I'd far rather just sit still and, and see what comes rather than try to push it and invent it and, and, and make something happen and reach up all the time. I would rather sit and see what occurs and act on that to recognize this hinge point where everything might change, where the very place, the origin point from where I'm caused to act from is different, very different. In fact, I, I remember this, this quote from Einstein I think if he said it, I mean, it's always got his name under it. And it's something along the lines of, you can't hope to solve a problem from the same level of consciousness or the same way of thinking that it emanated from, that it came from. And what I believe people do is they go, well, of course, that makes sense. So we've just got to think better. We've got to think differently. But the issue is that we're still thinking. We're still the ones thinking Mm -hmm. And I think what perhaps was meant, but I mean, my observation is there's a, there really is a stark difference between thinking that is thought by someone and thinking that profoundly occurs if you were to let it. And I, I think most people have had that experience at one time or another. Certainly, you know, great artists always point to this great scientist, Einstein himself pointed to the fact that his theory of relativity, all those things kind of emerged out of nothing. He'd done the diligent work, but it's when he wasn't thinking something occurred. Where's the origin point for that? Are we the cause of it or is life the cause of it? That's a good and, question. Yeah. And, and, and so take that back to listening. If we weren't to listen, if we weren't to desire something out of someone, if we were just to simply let them, you know, no act on our part, would the experience be different of someone? Might someone feel the lessening of a pressure 
of being with someone, because there is a pressure when you're with someone, usually, unnoticed mostly. But if there was no pressure, would they reveal themselves in a way that they perhaps hadn't even revealed themselves to themselves? Right. They might be surprised too. Oh, totally. <laughs> I mean, in, in, in film, that, that is mostly the experience. A lot of my films, soul biographies, mm. are of people saying stuff that shocks them. They've <laughs> never even thought, said that to themselves, let alone to anyone else. Oh, wow. It's, you know, most of the films are people reaching through, reaching through the sentences. They don't even know where this is going to end. Mm -hmm. Like I, and, and, and it, and I think that's the experience of deep listening of, of, of coaching and psychotherapy and all those human attention fields where it works really well. I think people lead themselves to believe there's this process to it. But I think the processes can get in the way a lot. I think mm -hmm. this clear space is the main thing. This absence, this subtraction of the things that we do allows what is trying to find us to find us. Yeah. And I'm talking with um, the UN about human rights at the moment. It's like, or well, can we show this in, you know, in 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 the art of witnessing people with respect to human rights, can you catch on camera this extraordinary interior experience of what's gone on in these very, mm. very unfair situations? Mm. If you're interviewing someone and you're looking to, through a question set, get the details out, you're going to get one thing. You're going to get this, you know, more heady response. But if you just, you, you set the context and you, you let, you set someone free by realizing that you mustn't get in their way, you're going to get what is is perhaps closer to the truth of how that was, of the consequence of, of those series of events. That's my experience with the camera. In fact, oh, I remember this experience where we were in Amsterdam and we set up and there were a whole bunch of people there for a day. And all they wanted to do was film because the experience was so intoxicating. We had this massive screen. So people from their chin to the top of their head was about 12 feet high. And there were only about 30 people there. And there was this girl in front of the camera. And I remember she came up and she sat down. And I just remember thinking, oh, I wonder what I'm going to do. And then catching myself and going, well, nothing. Stop my job. I'd sit here. And we were just sitting there. And... Then something happened. She started to speak and there was this extraordinary experience. And it was sad in a way, but it was extraordinary. Straight after, she, she was sitting there and, and people wanted to know what it was like. And someone asked what it was like, made the comment. She said, oh, Nick looks so empathetic. And she stood bolt upright out of her chair and said, absolutely not. If he'd been empathetic, everything would have closed down. If he'd given mm. me anything, and it was so obvious that empathy was almost something that gets in the way as well, like the the almost as a reaction, you know, to the situation, and mm -hmm. and that's not a very palatable thing to hear, really, because empathy's kind, you know, empathy is a contribution. But what I noticed was every time I tried to contribute, depending where that contribution came from, you know, if it was from me. 
it was usually about me. No one asked for empathy. I think what they might value more in some situations, not all, some, is just clear space, is the absence of me or someone doing anything with what's coming. I was just um, sitting with um, the response of this person just for a moment, I guess a moment of uh, stillness. And I really hadn't thought of it this way, but um, what comes, you know, just as, I guess in that moment, the nothing means that there's no comparison, there's no understanding, there's no effort, right? So the empathy, even if well-intentioned, someone's trying to understand its effort. And it's only, and it's, and in reality, if I'm trying to practice empathy, I'm doing it from the rea the experience that I've lived in life and my understanding of the world, right? There's no way that there can be nothingness, nothingness in empathy from that, in that, for that experience. It's not possible. It's something. It's, in, it's something then. In, in a right? way. And, and so she wanted, yeah. so she, this experience of nothing nourished something in her that one wanted to. <laughs> to be, you know, to readjust or redo something itself, you know. Yeah, um, it it allowed her, and and this is a common experience, and I notice this, and I don't know if people understand this to be so, but I've I've noticed it so many times. It allowed someone to recognize what was always there. Maybe we're not everywhere else, but we're here now. You know what I mean? The we're so busy everywhere else, or doing things, or whatever, that we're not really here in, in now. And then all of a sudden, we're here, and there's nothing. And then that, and then that's really what is. <laughs> yeah, and 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 the idea of it, you know, it stinks. You know, but the the experience of it doesn't. In fact, um, I did I did one in just outside of New York, uh, and that was the last event I did. Someone quoted the the great Ramana Hashi line, which was that someone asked him a question, how shall we treat others? And his answer was amazing. He said, there are no others. And mm. someone in front of the camera <laughs> said, I, I understand this now. If you sit still enough, you realize there are no others are on no one others. very important level. Yeah. But if you yeah. understand it, it changes everything. And it's, and it's, but the understanding is not something that you come to. It comes to you. It's just the other way around. Everything's just the other way around. I'm just convinced of that. And it's the more you think about it, the further away you get from it. Mm -hmm. So you might as well just experience it. And it's a real conundrum. And it, you know, I did, if I had hair, you know, like I shaved my head, but if I had hair, I'd probably pull my hair out because it comes the other way around. It's the other way around. It's like, don't seek it and it'll, it'll find you soon enough in a still moment. And you don't even need to meditate. I mean, I think meditation probably is very useful. I've never done a day of it in my life, although my wife once called me an idiot. So there's nothing you, I've, I've never, I've never meditated, which people find strange. And I did make the mistake of saying that once with a group of people and my wife was there and she called me an idiot because she said there's nothing or very little you don't do that is not that. And I guess what she understood was that the point of meditation is, well, here you are. You know, it's just full attention, almost without it being your attention. See, attention isn't even something that you do. There is just attention. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, But I think people do that, you know, in a day. They probably do it sometimes and don't even notice they're doing it. They're just so into something the experience of someone or um it's just far simpler 
than I think we ever thought to imagine. Yeah, I was I was thinking like some, I, I you know when I think about the the some of the most powerful listening experiences that I've had, it is this you are just there, and it's you know I always thought is it kind of a little bit of an embody embodiment kind of experience because it's like your whole self is part of this, all your senses, everything it just is, you know. I do think that in those moments, even if they only last a few minutes, that we change. It does something in that moment. And it seems like your filming or the, your process and you've been able to, which I think is really fascinating, been able to bring this to a situation where like someone's on stage and all these people are watching and your face is huge on the screen and you're, and through this and in this process that it, it's almost makes, it's almost uh, like that it's, it's like all of a sudden expanded and, and possible to be, you know, like you said, maybe it's just, you can't hide. It just is. <laughs> uh, but I think it's really fascinating that, that experience and then how that, that moment, even having all those multiple moments over the three days or five days or, or however you do that with a group of people that that's uh, really, uh, I don't know if the word transformational is a, is a good word for that, but it's, or if it's because it happens, you know, in them, but it's really, really incredible. Yeah. It's, it's almost, I just suddenly thought this, it, it's almost the opposite direction of transformation because transformation is, it is, it, it, almost by implication it's about becoming yeah. and yeah. this is the opposite you know everything's yeah, opposite. the opposite here this is it's not about becoming word for becoming what is it it's well be you just be <laughs> i mean <laughs> this is the contrarian nature of it it's mm. like okay so i'm sitting there i can for some reason and i don't entirely understand why but I, i'm not going to fight it i can see mm. there you are and and if you could see that, then that would be wonderful. But but it's what's already there. Mm. It, you're a part of it. You belong. There was no condition. We're connected. Mm. That that was never not the case. It's just maybe you lost sight of it. So mm. this is just about not losing sight. You know, a reciting of of what was always there. Not yeah. a becoming something. Not a reaching higher so that you can get through the gates of heaven or nirvana or mm -hmm. success or something yeah. like that. It's not that. It's not that journey. You can do that in a very physical way. You can get better at this. You can become wealthier and fitter and thinner or larger or whatever you like. But with respect to the existential interior world, no, it's not about becoming. It's about realizing what was always there and that you you belong. And, and what a, a wonderful place to listen to pay attention to someone from. If someone was there and you just had this overwhelming feeling, no matter who they were, when it was, or what had happened, that it was okay. Mm. All is well. There you are. <laughs> there you are. I'm, there yep, you are. There you I'm, go. <laughs> and here I am. There you are and here I am. <laughs> All is well. And the, you know, the underlying stress out of the situation is, is kind of, it evaporates. Mm. And it's felt, and there someone is. I think it's noticed by people, and that's a, yeah. it's an amazing contribution one can make to anyone at any time. You know, to you listening. You know, I, I I remember looking on your site a while back, and I think I seem to remember this this drawing a line from listening to connection. Mm -hmm. You listen, 
and you realize that you're connected and there's the experience. Who doesn't want that? So if if our listeners would love to experience nothingness or this this really exceptional experience or would like to see your films to see what we're talking about a little bit more, um, how do they find you? Okay, well, I've got a couple of sites. I've got a, the main body of work is called Soul, S-O-U-L, Biographies. And there's a site called soulbiographies.com and that's been running a long, long, long time. And there must be, I don't know, many, many people filmed in this way on that site. And you're very welcome to visit it and use the films as you will. You just experience these people. And there could be, if you were to pay attention, this overwhelming experience that you belong to each other. It's like there's something, this is different. So and the films are there. And I also I, I email out uh, every week or two a new piece or an old piece with new commentary or something like that and, and words that are right from this place as well. And then I've got a site called nickaskey.com, my name. I tend to have things, like I, I do a lot of things. I don't just make films. I have these experiences and they're dressed up in, in various fashions. Often you can experience it in, in larger auditoriums sometimes and sometimes in in small spaces, you know, 10, 12 people, which is quite a nice way of doing it because it, it's immersive in a way that, you know, that you can't not get it. That so I haven't released the next year's schedule. Well, it'll be by the time we put this out, it'll be twenty twenty four. So it probably will be up there. Anyway, I tend to do those in the USA and Europe. So we'll add those links to okay. um, right. the notes. And yeah. um, it was really, really a pleasure to have you, Nick. And I'm glad that we finally had this chance to do this interview. That was really a pleasure to just see what happened <laughs> and to be yeah, with, I... be with you. <laughs> here today. Yeah, it's funny. Thank you. Well, thank you. I'm your host, Raquel Ark, and you have just enjoyed your listening superpower podcast. This is an independent show. So please show your support by subscribing, leaving a five-star review and sharing with your friends. I love to hear from my listeners, what you love, what questions you have, any great guests that you have for the podcast email me at listening superpower at gmail.com or send a voicemail at plus four nine one seven three two three four zero seven two two. Check out listeningalchemy.com if you want to help your team communicate more effectively together. We focus on evidence-based listening strategies and we do it in a playful and experiential way so that your team can work better and feel better together. Thank you, Cecilia Mercado, for your amazing podcast production, Ivo Tiemann for your inspiring music, and Dorte Streicher for your impactful artwork. It's been fun, and see you on the next episode.